The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. Hello, and welcome to From the Consultant's Desk, where we discuss asset allocation trends and financial advisor portfolios analyzed by Natixis Investment Manager Solutions. I'm Mark Santolo, a member of the Portfolio Analysis and Consulting Team. I'm joined by my colleague, Kevin McCullough. And today we're going to share our team's quarterly update highlighting trends in asset allocation and portfolio construction. Our group works with a wide variety of client types across the country. And for the second quarter, we decided to combine insights from both our financial advisor and institutional worlds to try to sum up what has been a volatile year across capital markets. Yeah, Mark, we've seen another really challenging quarter for investment markets. I would say we're plagued by a lot of the same issues that uh, we found challenging in the first quarter stubbornly high inflation and you know this perception of an increasingly hawkish Fed reaction function uh, really continue to be the primary drivers of, of risk asset prices through the second quarter. Right. And that increasingly hawkish interpretation of Fed policy that you just referenced drove losses in equity and fixed income, which brings us to our very first trend, which looks at return environments we're calling diversification failures. And if you go back 35 years, there have been two quarters where the S&P 500 and the Bloomberg aggregate were both down 4% or more. Those two quarters were Q1 of 2022 and Q2 of 2022. So we call this trend almost nowhere to hide because there are a couple of alternatives categories that outperformed, most notably systematic trend. Um, And these asset class returns flowed through to portfolio level performance differentiation exactly as we'd expect. So on the advisor side, We calculate performance for portfolios submitted during the past six months. When you look at top quartile performers, you tended to have lower allocations to equities, higher allocations to cash and alternatives. And then conversely, bottom quartile performers were the opposite, tended to have higher allocations to equity, lower allocations to cash and alternatives. Um, The overall allocation to fixed income did not appear to be a significant driver of differentiation, but the higher your duration, the more painful the first half likely was for you. Now, the institutional version of this trend looked at one-year returns ending 331.22, which misses the equity drawdown of, of Q2, at least. Um, virtually all portfolios in the data set had, had negative one-year returns, and performance distribution was pretty similar across endowments, foundations, public pensions, multi-employer union plans, all of which utilize alternatives to some degree. The worst-performing cohort, corporate pensions, tended to have higher allocations to fixed income, lower allocations to alts compared to the other segments. Yeah, I think that all makes sense, Mark. Uh, When I was looking through that institutional data, I actually thought there was an interesting difference in the range of the outcomes for some of those different plan types. You know, if you look at the the multi-employer union plans, they actually had the highest median return of any any category, Uh, but the spread was maybe a little bit tighter in that category than it is in some other categories. If you look at endowments and foundations, they actually had a much bigger, or I would say, I should say, wider spread in terms of you know the the top level outcome being pretty divergent from uh, you know the the worst performer uh, in terms of the the plans within that category, and you know I guess that makes a little bit of logical sense. You think about endowments and foundations tend to have these longer time horizons because of that they tend to take more risk, so maybe not you know the most surprising outcome that you see you know more divergence in some of those. Uh, plan types that maybe have that that longer and riskier uh, asset allocation. Definitely. Our second trend looked at inflation. Inflation fears, I would say, dominated many of the conversations with clients for the start of the year. Um, back in January, myself and then one other member of our investment committee identified 14 industry benchmarks that had shown a tendency to outperform broader equities. 
during past inflation surprises. So how did those industries end up doing? During the first half of 2022, 10 out of 14 of them outperformed the broader market. Three basically gave you performance that was roughly in line with markets, and only one of the 14 industries underperformed. We had put together a diversified inflation-sensitive basket that ended up outperforming the broader equity market by 12% during the first half of the year, which gives you a sense of some of the magnitude of these inflation-related drivers. We also looked at the portfolio data set to try to isolate allocations to inflation-sensitive assets, which we defined as commodities, inflation-protected bonds, real estate, natural resources, energy, and precious metals. We didn't see a meaningful uptick in Q1 to these categories, but we saw a pretty sizable jump in in Q2. Looking at our average moderate risk portfolio allocation, there was roughly a 5% allocation to these categories, and that was the highest since 2015. Now, this is a backward-looking trend, but something we'll be looking at again, I assume, in in Q3. Um, It seems like we're increasingly having conversations with clients who believe, as I think you and I both do, that peak inflation is behind us and we're looking to tilt the other way. Yeah, I mean, to your point, you know, when you're talking about the diversification failures up front, risk assets have really traded one way across the board in Q1 and Q2, and that's uh, negative. You know, to your point earlier, it's really the the perceived effective duration profile that you have on either the equity or fixed income side, effectively driving most of that most of that pain through the first half of the year. Uh, But I agree with you. I think we've sort of seen an inflection point in the way that markets have been trading since the middle of June. Uh, that was really where commodities prices peaked. Uh, we've seen them come down, you know, somewhere between 20, 30 percent since then, depending on the specific commodity you're talking about. And you know, to me, this is certainly evidence that the fear that's really driving markets and and cutting through risk assets is probably moving on from that pure inflation fear. And then, what does the Fed have to do to react to that? And more, okay, now that we have some idea of what that that pace and path of the the hiking cycle is going to look like what is that going to do to the growth backdrop? And I think that's really becoming you know, the main fear that is driving risk asset prices now. So in terms of equity composition, we saw a new all-time high in the percentage allocated to the U.S., which is now around 75%. And investors did continue to tilt more toward value uh, in Q2. We also saw an increase in sector equity utilization. It broke out to the highest levels that we've seen over the past few years. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's wouldn't say that's terribly surprising that we've sort of seen that pendulum shift away from the you know growth sectors, which are sort of perceived as a beneficiary of that low inflation environment, and into the value sectors, especially energy, where you sort of have the you know perception that there's that natural participation and that natural hedge against you know rising rising energy costs when you actually own you know companies that are uh, that are in the sector. Um, you know that said, given given what we're sort of seeing in terms of the Sort of the change in the way that risk assets have been, you know, trading since that mid-June, uh, I guess, peak in commodity prices that we just referenced. I wouldn't be surprised to start to see this trend maybe shift at the margin again when we look back in Q3, and maybe we start to see another, um, you know, pick up into growth at the expense of value. And switching from public equity to private equity, we noted the growth of privately held startup companies valued above a billion dollars, and these firms are commonly and now somewhat ironically referred to as unicorns. Um, you know, somewhat of a rare occurrence five or six years ago, there's now over 1,100 of them. You know, the industries they operate in, fintech, internet software, artificial intelligence. What's interesting to me is while public equity growth stocks were seeing valuations slashed um, in this, you know, risk-off period of the first half of the year, 
there were over 200 new unicorns minted in the first six months of 2022. Yeah, this one's a bit of a head scratcher for me. I mean, it's definitely interesting. You're, you're continuing to see this really big surge of private growth type companies that are still receiving these, you know, really, really high valuations, uh, even after, you know, a, a six, eight month period where you've seen, you know, pretty major corrections in the in the public names on the growth side and, you know, a pretty material multiple uh, re-rating uh, to the downside. Uh, you know, you can you can come up with a couple possible explanations for that. I, I mean, maybe, you know, one possible explanation is there's some sort of underlying durability to these private companies where, you know, even in an uncertain environment like we're, we're going through now, they still have this, you know, really strong growth trajectory that that just continues to demand those, you know, really high valuations. Yeah, or there's a potentially a slowdown in unicorn growth that we should be seeing soon if we haven't seen it already. So we ran the trends as of June 30th, but looking at the data by month, you're starting to see a pretty meaningful slowdown in July and August as we record this. Yeah, which which I think makes sense. I mean, the the pace that that's growing at is you know somewhat at odds with what we're now seeing in public markets since then. Definitely. Okay, switching gears a bit, we have a pair of trends born out of the rising rate environment. Our average portfolio duration dropped to 4.1 years, and to me, four years feels a bit low, um, especially considering an average of four tells me there's probably a number of portfolios that are like two. If you're worried about recession, as many of our clients have indicated, you should probably be increasing duration here. Yeah, positioning on the fixed income side, by and large, still reflects that that inflation fear and the fear of rising rates. And you can understand it. The curve has been so flat really the entire year ever since you saw that sort of initial uh, initial uh, uh, bear flattener at the beginning of the year. It's been tough to justify going too far out in duration when you're going to get paid the same yield in, in the 20s as you're getting paid in the twos. I mean, why why take the risk, you know, becomes a pretty logical question to ask there. You know, that said, I think going forward, there's probably a, a pretty compelling argument that the vast majority of the damage you're going to face on the interest rate side has probably already been realized and, and priced into bond prices. And, you know, it probably is a pretty opportune time to start closing some of those duration underweights and, you know, if not going overweight, getting getting at least back to what you would consider neutral. And speaking of rising rates, one bright spot in the institutional trends was the funded status of corporate pensions. We looked at the Milliman Pension Funding Index, which reached 107 percent in May of 2022, and that was the highest since October of 2007. So how could that be with widespread losses in equity and fixed income? Well, here the rising rate environment actually leads to liability values being slashed. So the Citigroup above median yield curve is one thing that we'll look at to tell that story. That rose from 2.96% at 1231.21, all the way up to 4.67% at 630. That's a 26.5% decrease in the liability value. So if you think about it from a funded status perspective, even if your assets were down 20 or even 25%, you still made up some ground in funded status terms. And last but not least, we have one trend on investment fees. So on this institutional side, average fees for large growth, large value, separate account strategies, um, they're both down a little bit, both in the U.S. and outside the U.S., but small cap and fixed income fees were flat. We looked at what's known as a first dollar fee. Um, So that doesn't reflect negotiated fees or tiered fees for higher asset values, but gives you a sense for some of the broader trends. On the advisor side, we've got a little bit more precision around the total portfolio fees and the median value for for those were 55 basis points with a range of 24 to 79 basis points. Um, You go back 10 years ago, that was on average 80 basis points. So now only the most expensive 
5% of portfolios are at that level. So I think the longer term trend is clearly lower, but more recently the level seems to have been a little more stable. We've been in the same general range, you know, throughout the whole post-COVID time period. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're, to your point, the trend is mostly flat. Um, it does seem like there's maybe a slight uptick in the data uh, during 2022, just compared to that, you know, largely flat trend. Uh, speculating here, I wonder how much of that you could maybe attribute to just some of the positioning shifts we've seen, where we've seen, you know, at the margin, you know, some abandonment of traditional fixed income for alternatives, or even in equities, we've seen more of an uptake of uh, alternative strategies. You know, typically when you compare one to the other, those alternative strategies tend to have higher expense ratios. So I wonder how much of that shift might be driving, you know, maybe the slight near-term uptick that we see there. And, you know, is that something that we maybe see come out in the wash in the data in the future in, in different market environments? That concludes our recap of the most significant trends impacting asset allocators for the first six months of the year. Please feel free to reach out to us with any questions or comments about portfolio trends or for customized insights tailored to your specific portfolio. On behalf of the portfolio consulting team and Fixus Investment Manager Solutions, thanks for your continued partnership and thanks for listening. Important information. As of August 23, 2022, this material is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. The views and opinions expressed may change based on market and other conditions. Investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Investment risk exists with equity, fixed income, international and emerging markets. Additionally, alternative investments, including managed futures, can involve a higher degree of risk and may not be suitable for all investors. There is no assurance that any investment will meet its performance objectives or that losses will be avoided. This document may contain references to copyrights, indexes and trademarks that may not be registered in all jurisdictions. Third-party registrations are the property of their respective owners and are not affiliated with Natixis Investment Managers or any of its related or affiliated companies. Collectively Natixis, such third-party owners do not sponsor, endorse or participate in the provision of any Natixis services, funds or other financial products. Natixis Advisors, LLC provides advisory services through its division Natixis Investment Manager Solutions. Advisory services are generally provided with the assistance of model portfolio providers, some of which are affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers. LLC Natixis Advisors, LLC does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax or legal professional prior to making any investment decision in Texas. I am solutions.com. Member SIPC at tracks 4907953111. Expiration date August 31st 2023 pod August 23rd 2022.